Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we're going to talk about how habits build us, and then we're going to talk about how we build those habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm one of the pastors at Creekside. I'm here today with my dad, John Bruce, who is also a pastor here. How you doing, Dad? Um, I'm doing great. Really? Good to be here with you. Great. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to be here with you, too. Good to be, good to be anywhere today. Yeah. So uh, we're living in unique times, Dad. I don't know if you've heard this word used, but unprecedented. It's an unprecedented time. And uh, since we cannot be physically with you, Creeksiders, uh, we've just been thinking, along with every other church in the universe, about new ways of leveraging technology to minister to you. And as you know, Dad, because you raised me, I am a truly cutting-edge thinker. And I thought, you know, what medium is no one tapping into right now in the digital marketplace? The podcast. Oh, you're always ahead of the market. I, <laughs> so, so I thought, let's do a podcast. And then I convinced you, so thank you um, for being convincible. So, so our uh, goal here is to do eight episodes, at least one a week, on, on how to build habits and specifically habits for the Christian life, for becoming more like Jesus, because that is, after all, the goal of the Christian life. So here's the deal, everybody. If you love this medium, if this benefits you, fantastic. We'll think about continuing the podcast. Uh, if you hate this and seven people listen to it, uh, hey, it's only eight episodes. And, and guess what? There are 3.5 million podcasts on how to build habits out there. So just go sample something else from the digital buffet. Uh, so, Dad, let's just talk about the season we're in, and that'll give some context as to why we decided to start the uh, the podcast. Uh, you know, we're currently in a pandemic. Were you, were you aware of that, Dad, that we're in a pandemic right now? I think I heard something about that. <laughs> you, on the internets? <laughs> on the inter did you, on did the inter you check that? On the interweb, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so I would say the average person's life has, to one degree or another, just been blown up by this. Uh, and, and one of the ways it's blown up is this, that there are all of these deadlines, obligations, these external pressures that give structure to our lives. And, and, and just in an instant, a, a ton of those are gone. And so some people just got a lot less busy, especially if you're furloughed or if you have a job where it's really not possible to work remotely. But, but for other people, uh, life just got stupid busy because you're homeschooling, you're working remotely, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're entertaining your children, you're trying to do all of these things. But in any case, I think something that a lot of people sense right now is a need for structure um, and a need for building structures into your life. And, and when your external structures are blown up, I think what I've seen in the last week is it really reveals, or in the last few weeks, uh, it really reveals whether you have internal structures. If you have habits in place that aren't really as contingent on circumstances or on other people. So, so you know, I'll be honest, Dad. When we started Shelter in Place, I was very re disoriented. I thought, man, I need a new routine. And then I talked to you. And, and I was like, Dad, how is this going for you? And do you remember what you said? I, I d didn't feel like it had changed that much. <laughs> I just, I just you were already I sheltering was, in I was place. Get, yeah, I was sheltering in place, but I was just getting a lot more done. <laughs> yeah, I and so I was just amazed by that because 
um, it, it just struck me that, that you have built a lot of these habits into your life, that you have internal habits, that you've intentionally cultivated a life where you're living out your priorities on a day-to-day basis, and that that life, it doesn't happen by accident, it's a life by design. And, and so I sort of wanted to name this podcast, Dad Help Me Build Habits During a Pandemic, but I didn't think that would be as applicable a, a title to, to people. But I just thought it'd be great to get some of your wisdom in this area, things we've talked about, and, and hopefully it'll serve uh, the people in our congregation and, you know, hey, anyone else out there who's, who's listening to this. So, so, Dad, I don't think many people are excited about habits. You're someone I would say is excited about habits. When did you get excited about habits? I think, you know, I, I grew up heavily involved in music and heavily involved in sports. And so just the, the, the need to develop through intentional practice was just part of me. But when I became a Christian, I got involved in a ministry that basically said the opposite. They really emphasized the essential role of the Spirit uh, in making us like Jesus, but they never told us how to cooperate with the Spirit. Hmm. And in fact, um, it was kind of a let go, let God teaching, where not only can you not do anything to grow, um, to even try to do anything to grow was counterproductive because you were somehow, if you did anything, you made any kind of decision, uh, you disciplined yourself or anything, you were uh, living in unbelief. You really weren't depending on God. And so you, mm. you kind of the idea was you had to come to the end of yourself. Yeah. And when you finally came to the end of yourself, then you would wholly rely on Christ and then he would do it all. Well, I went for years trying to come to the end of myself. And, <laughs> and you never uh, got there. <laughs> and just never got there. And, and, I, and I just didn't feel like I was changing spiritually at yeah. all. Um, and, and, uh, and I just kept begging God to deliver me from sins that uh, I had, didn't seem to have any power over. And I, in a lot of the books that I read, uh, they kept referring to Romans 6, and I just could not understand what they were saying about Romans 6. It just made no sense to me at all. Mm -hmm. So I finally memorized Romans 6 myself and just put away the books and just studied it. And I think what struck me one day was that I had been praying for God to do what he said he'd already done. Mm -hmm. And I just needed to believe him and act like I believed him, that, that, that when... When Christ came into my life, he freed me from sin, yeah. that uh, he killed the old John Bruce and raised a new John Bruce, mm-hmm. and I needed to walk in newness of life, um, but I had to do it. I, God wasn't going to do it for me. I was the one that I had to consider myself dead to sin. I had to refuse to let sin reign over my, my body. Yeah. I had to present myself to God, and, and so... I remember the the very first time I I did that I ten, the old temptation that I'd always fallen to came up, and instead of begging God help me help me help me here I go again, I just said no, and the yeah. temptation went away, and I was amazed that I realized that I had I really had all the power I needed from mm-hmm. God in that moment, I just needed to by faith faith, faith use it, and and so that realization began to lead me to the the idea that I needed to discipline my body. I needed to train my body to live a new way. That yeah. That's the way the God, grace of God was going to be manifested through me. So it was really a partnership of me working out my salvation with fear and trembling because God was at work within me. And that presenting my members to righteousness really meant 
training my body to obey Christ uh, as it had once obeyed sin. Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting talking about that idea of, of letting go and letting God and it's a it's a bumper sticker. It's bumper sticker Christianity, right? Yeah, and and yeah. um but that idea, what it ends up being is incredibly paralyzing for people. Yeah. That that I'm concerned about doing something quote unquote in the flesh. Right. That right. I'll make some effort to do something, but I'll I'll do it out of my power versus the spirit's power, and then that's gonna be opposed to the grace of God in some way or are legalistic. Um, but the problem with that line of thinking is, I mean, there's manifold problems, but the, the Bible never clearly lays out what it would mean to do something in the power, quote-unquote, of the flesh. I mean, I think of Galatians 5. It says the works of the flesh are evident. Yeah. You can see them when you're, when you're walking in disobedience to God, but just this vague, mysterious idea that I'm going to exert myself, um, and that could be bad. Uh, I can think of few things more paralyzing yeah. to the Christian trying to live the Christian life than the sense that trying itself yeah. is a bad idea. Right. Yeah, no, it was the idea that the more you tried, the more, un more unbelief you were exerting because uh, you were trying to do it, not letting God do it. And it just, it just complicates the simple. I, oh, my gosh. I think what, yeah. what helped me was just thinking that whenever God sent Israel into battle, he'd yeah. say, I'll, I'll, I'll win the battle for you. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you still have to go in and swing your sword. Right. And, and, and so they would go and, and fight their, their enemies and, and get exhausted and wounded right. and beat up. <laughs> but by the end of the battle, they had won, and they said, God gave us the victory. Right. So what you're saying, Dad, is that Israel didn't just sing songs and God <laughs> fought their battles. Is that usually that's not what happened? Okay, yeah. they didn't just worship their way through the battle. <laughs> no, Dad? they didn't. Okay, they actually had to kill people too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's right. But but I think there's that idea, yeah, that's that's in the biblical narrative uh, that really shows that grace and effort aren't opposed. Right. And I think for for listeners, it'll it'll probably prompt some questions about, okay, well, what is legalism then? What kind of effort is bad because we're saved by grace, not by works? Right. And, and we'll get into that in the future, but I yeah. think just at the outset, yeah, realizing that, that um, yeah, effort is not a dirty word in the Christian life. Right. In fact, there's a sense in which effort is absolutely necessary to growing in Christ. Absolutely. Now, yep. Paul says, uh, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I believe it is, he says the, the grace of God did not, well, he said, I am who I am by the grace of God. Right. And the grace of God toward me did not prove vain, but I worked harder than everybody. <laughs> Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Yeah. Yeah, and what's interesting is, is you could go with that idea and go, well, it was the grace of God in him, so Paul didn't actually work. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's no. saying that the grace of God made the effort possible. Right, right. Not that it negated his side of the effort. Exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of see it from a, a standpoint that God could make you a, a natural athlete, mm -hmm. but you still have to work to develop those those abilities. Mm -hmm. And God is essentially, as children of God, made us natural athletes. He's made us like Jesus, but we still have to choose to behave like Jesus. And 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 uh, that is the way you get to that point is by developing habits. Good. Well, let's get into habits um, because habit isn't a Bible word necessarily. Right, right. Uh, it's a it's a modern term, right. and and whether you call them a discipline or yeah. if you're a millennial, you call them a rhythm. These are just <laughs> rhythms of life. Um, but 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 there's this idea of, of routine that is in the Bible, right? And of of discipline. So maybe we can start just more generically. What is a habit? 
and then get into what the Bible says about habits. Okay, good. Um, James Clare, who's a young author, but who has probably written as much about habits recently as anybody, mm-hmm. uh, defines habits as the small decisions you make and the actions you, rep- you repeat each day. And so our, our life is essentially the sum of those habits. Um, whether you're a reader or in shape or control your money or able to set goals and accomplish them or, or spiritually and emotionally mature are really just the results of your habits because we are creatures of habits. Um, hmm. Our character is the sum of our habits. When people with lots of good habits are called people of good character. Yeah. And people who have lots of bad habits are called people of bad character or, mm-hmm. or of, of no, no character. But what we repeat ultimately determines the people that we are and uh, the, the things we believe and our personality we, we portray so that our habits can either be our most useful servants mm-hmm. or our most stubborn enemies. Yeah. Um, and so to change your life, because you're a creature of habit, to change your life really means you have to change your your habits. Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Hmm. Um, So we we, we really become what we do regularly. And I I think of sports as a a great analogy of this. Um, And and of course, sports is is an analogy that Paul uses regularly because of the the similarity between the spiritual life and the physical life. Totally. But if, if we were watching an A's game, and uh, it's a routine grounder to short. Um, I, I just imagine myself playing short, and I ask, would that be a routine play for me? And it would not be a routine play for me. I would, I would botch it. <laughs> right. And even if I was able to catch it, I'm sure I would throw it over the first baseman's head or something like that. But right. it certainly wouldn't be graceful like Marcus Simeon yeah. plays it. But for him, it is a routine play because right. he has done it thousands and thousands of times. Right. Uh, he... he, he Muscle memory just takes over. He doesn't have to think about it. Yep. It's a habit. And, and so uh, habit makes things natural. It makes things graceful. It right. Makes, it makes, uh, it's all muscle memory that's developed through deliberate practice. Right. So what we do habitually, we do well. Yeah. Um, we don't even have to think about it. Our body takes over. But what we do rarely feels awkward and unnatural. Yeah. We have to think about it too much, kind of like my golf game. And and <laughs> and because we're creatures of habit, no amount of knowledge or our desire or motivation or willpower can make up for a lack of practice. Yeah. Practice may not make perfect, but it does make permanent. Yeah. That is definitely true. And and I think to play on your analogy there a little bit. And uh, if you don't like sports analogies, you should probably not listen to this podcast because you're going to get a lot of them. But, uh, you know, imagine you playing shortstop there. You could get as inspired about baseball as you wanted. You could read as much about the art of playing shortstop as you wanted. Um, but you would still muff that ground ball, That's most right. likely. That's right. Uh, and all that information and inspiration would not necessarily help you when the time came to do it. Right, because I'm, I'm more than a mind. Yeah. And I'm more than emotions. I'm, I've got a body. Yeah. And the body has to cooperate. Yeah, the body is a mule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The body is, does not want to do the things that, that we want it to do. Yeah, and so no matter how many A's games I've watched, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help my body to, to handle a routine ground ball. Right. 
right? And and you can probably see where we're going with the analogy in terms yeah. of its application to the Christian life. And we'll we'll get there there in a moment. Um, but yeah, this idea of that we are the accumulation or a bundle of habits, right? Um, another thing that strikes me about it is the reason we we routinize behaviors. One of them is because certain behaviors are so important, we need to do them all the time. Um, and some of it's just biological instinct, right? You don't have to train yourself to eat. You're right. going to eat. You don't have to train yourself to sleep. You're just going to do it. But there are other behaviors, brushing your teeth, flossing, where we make a conscious decision to, to routinize, to, to create a routine um, so that um, something that's important will just be in place. But, but to your point about inspiration, it isn't, once a habit becomes natural, it's not willpower to do it. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. the point is there is an unconscious competence right. about doing it, and you don't have to get pumped up to do it. You just exactly. you just go do it. And, and one of the humbling things about habit developing habits is is that I you know we talk a lot about willpower and this you know if you just will it you can you can overcome anything. Well, I, all of the neuroscience and psychology I've read says that that and now I'm <laughs> jumping into a field I might know nothing about, but uh, you know that's why we have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Two That's mediocre right. guys talking about a poorly researched topic. Yeah, That's right. a podcast. So, no, but but the willpower is a limited commodity. It, yeah. And and if it's a limited commodity, that that means I can't do everything I want to do just by mustering up my will to do it. Right. I have to develop rhythms, um, which will either be my greatest friends or my greatest enemies. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we overestimate. What we can what we can accomplish by sheer willpower, yeah, and and we underestimate the power that developing a habit will have, yeah, in our lives. Totally, that's that's why we're doing this. Yeah, and so yeah, so th- that that's habits generically, and at this point, you know, a non-Christian could listen to this and go, sure, like there's all sorts of stuff on building structures into your life and and the morning routine and. And, and there's all these podcasts about stoicism and meditating and, yeah. you know, eating habits and all, all sorts of different kinds of habits. But what we want to show is why Christians need to buy in here, right? That, that right. the Christian right. life is about the cultivation of habits. Right. And right. so this is getting to the deeper biblical foundation here. Why are habits something that followers of Jesus in particular— should be deeply invested in, in building habits? It's a good, great question. I, I think what Christians have in common with everybody else is we all have a body. And, and <laughs> so we may act differently, or we may have different values, we may have different uh, lifestyles that we aspire to, right. but everybody has to train their body... To cooperate with to, what their to mind wants to do. To cooperate with what their their mind wants to do right and and so in god doesn't supernaturally make us different than other human beings he gives us the power then well in one to make sense he right does di- right well he does into, I, I get another way to say that he gives us a different a new character he gives us a new desire he gives it makes us children of god and as such we now want to obey god rather than to rebel against god Right, so what you're talking about there is the biblical idea of regeneration. Exactly. That, that when you become to Christ, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have the nature of Christ within you. Right. Now, you could infer from that that, well, I have the nature of Christ within me. I've just got to kind of 
let go and let this nature go around and do things in me. But you would say that's not how the Bible describes the process of becoming like Jesus. No, because even though you're a new person on the inside, you still have the same old body. Right. And and that body uh, is controlled by habits. And those right. habits have been created by years of living uh, as a slave of sin. Right. So that's why developing new habits, not letting sin continue to reign in my body, right. but rather presenting my members to righteousness yeah. and to God is, is so important. Right. Um, so I guess what I said is that because all human beings have bodies, right. uh, every body needs to be trained. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it's just an inescapable life of, of living as a human being. Right. So, I mean, that's obvious enough when you apply it to just about anything, whether in school, right, yeah. learning math, learning an instrument, um, learning how to drive. Um, all of these things require a, a repetitive process, and, and it's an incremental change, right? You, right. You, you have to do this thing thousands and thousands of times, whatever it is, before you develop this unconscious competence. Why don't Christians talk about that more? Why isn't it like, oh, yeah, now we need a training regimen to grow in Christ? Where's the disconnect? I think the disconnect is, is, is today is the day of content. I mean, yeah. uh, because of media, because of uh, Christian publishing, because of... Uh, it's just, it's, we're, we treat ourselves like we're big minds. You know, <laughs> that all we need, I, I just need to learn more. If, yeah. I, if I just learn more, then I'll be a better Christian. Yeah. We want to help you during this time yeah. with resources. Yeah, resources. <laughs> more so, content. Yeah, yeah just more content and, right. and stuff. And so it's, it's kind of Christians today, I think, think that either... Um, I just need to learn more. I, I need to read some more books. I need to find something like that. This is what Jesus warned about in at the end of the, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, yeah. he, ta he talks about the two builders. And, and the comparison is those who hear the word and act upon it right. build on the rock. Right. Those who hear the word and do not act on it build on the sand. And so what that says to me, it's possible to know a lot about the Word of God and be building on the sand because we're not implementing it. That, yeah. that would be, yeah, or, or as James says, uh, prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So I think, I yeah. think we have put a greater emphasis now among Christians on knowledge and content than on implementation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that you can really see this in, in, in Paul's description of the purpose of the Scriptures in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. He, yeah. he, he says that the Scripture is, is valuable for four things. Teaching, yep. what, what do I need to learn? Mm -hmm. Reproof, where do I fall short? Correction, what am I going to do to correct this? We leave out the last one, training <laughs> in righteousness. Yeah. The training in righteousness is how do I make this correction part of my life? Yeah, and training's an athletic word, exactly. again. I mean, the idea there is a regimented, intentional process yeah. of using Scripture to cultivate the skills, yeah. the skill in living that you need yeah. to, to live like, like Jesus. And, and I think this is one of the reasons endurance is such a key theme in, in Scripture, is because it, it, it takes endurance to, to implement. It, yeah. it takes, you have to have a stick to and that James passage you know, he goes on to say in verse 25 of James 1, the one who looks intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Right. So it's not content. 
right. that alone that blesses you. It's the implementation of content through endurance, through yeah. persevering and figuring out how to do this. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think the writer of Hebrews says the same thing in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. He, he talks about how the Hebrews have been going backwards spiritually right. rather than forward, that they, they used to know this stuff. Now they've forgotten it. By this time, they should be teachers. They need somebody to teach them. But he says solid food is for the mature mm -hmm. who, through practice, have their senses trained to discern good from evil. That a mature Christian is a person who not only knows the Scripture, mm -hmm. but who practices them. And yeah. that's, and that's where you, how you grow. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because man, you hear that word mature, and so often you associate it with Bible knowledge. Yeah, you know, even as I'm talking to believers who say, "Well, I couldn't disciple someone. I'm not mature enough." If you poke around with what that means, what often it means is I don't have enough Bible knowledge. Yeah. To um to disciple someone. Yeah. And that can be the case. I mean, we're not anti knowledge at all. We love doctrine. Um, and, and good doctrine um, is that's for the foundation and health of the church. It's indispensable, but there is a huge danger, as you're saying, particularly in an age where we have so much content of treating the Bible like more content. Yeah. It's just another thing to ingest. Yeah, yeah. I remember years ago uh, hearing Dr. Howard Hendricks speak, and he, he talked about a, a Wycliffe missionary who had just come back from a, a little tribe on the Amazon there, and they had just gotten half of the book of Mark translated into that uh, <laughs> tribe's language for the yeah. first time. So what all, they, all of the Bible they had was half of one gospel. And, and he said their lives were transformed. Yeah. He said they were more Christian than most Christians in America <laughs> because what they did with what they learned. <laughs> they, they, what, what you're saying is they read it and thought, oh, we should go do these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's figure out how to put them into practice. Yeah, they weren't smart enough to know that you can procrastinate on this <laughs> stuff and, and theorize about it. And I got to find some more cross. I think we need another Bible study yes, on this. Yes, I need yeah. another Bible study on it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's good. And so I think with this why of habits, maybe a way of, of summarizing this on the why is that there are, I would say, at least three elements in change from our end, right? Mm -hmm. There's information that we need to know the gospel, and that's foundational. If we, if we start with the wrong gospel, we'll end up in the wrong, with the wrong destination. Right. So absolutely. There's also inspiration that we do need to have, and we'll talk about this more, I think, in future episodes, but we need to be shaped by the truths of the gospel, inspired um, to love Christ, the, the, the love of Christ, it should lay hold of us, that we should feel seized. Yeah. Um, it controls it, us. It controls us. It yeah. constrains us, like Paul says. And yeah. certainly, um, that's a huge theme in the New Testament of desiring Christ because he desires us. Um, and so we've got information. We've got inspiration. But there's a third step, and, and if you don't get the step, you'll be really frustrated in the Christian life, and that's implementation. Right. That, right. that we have to put into practice through diligent training the things that we know. Yeah. And I think that a, a big reason, and I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, but a big reason people get disillusioned with the Christian life is they keep hearing sermons. They, they can have worship music, right? They're sort of the, the information Christians who really yeah. want the gospel content. Yeah. There's the inspiration Christians who really who want the, the worship experience is, is central to their Christian life. And neither things are bad. They're both components. But there's this implementation step that often doesn't get talked about. Here, I'm going to develop a training regimen for myself to become like Jesus. And if you miss that step, you don't move forward. 
Right. You you can't bypass that step. And yeah. I, you know, I I think I relate it to um, something that often happened to me. And it's no knock against summer camps, but it's it's a knock against me. But it's what often happened at summer camps. You'd go hear these amazing teachers. And then you'd have this worship experience and you'd confess sin, you'd be crying and I'm never going to look at porn again. And you'd be just weeping there. And then of course you'd go back right to the same life and you go, well, I guess it didn't really change me. I guess it didn't really have an impact. And say, no way, you never put into practice. You never intentionally did anything to design a life that would make God's priorities your priorities. Right. You know, Thomas Aquinas said, "Only habit can conquer habit." Right. And uh, yeah, I go, I go to a, a conference, and I get inspired, and I feel close to God. But when I come back, I fall right back into the same old habits that I had before. Right. Regardless of the amount of information or inspiration I have, unless I make the effort to to build in new habits. Yeah. And building in new habits is a lot of work. <laughs> It is, and but, but I, I think it's a, a much more helpful and realistic view of what Christian growth is like. Yes. And again, with analogies, right? Like, I've been hitting ground balls to my son for three years, you know? He no. still muffs him all the time. Yeah. But he's better than he was. Exactly. Um, but it's taken thousands of iterations of this process yeah. for him to build competent, competence. And it's the same thing with pitching. It's the same thing with anything. I don't think that often... The Christian life is described that way, right. that, that it's only through a, a disciplined routine, meaning that you're going to be sort of incompetent in these things at the beginning. In fact, you're going to be completely incompetent, and that's okay. Yeah. It, it's going to feel unnatural reading the Bible, witnessing, um, you know, sharing your faith, um, praying, all of these things. There's no amount of inspiration that can make you competent in these things. Yeah. It's the fuel to keep going, but, but if you take out the practice step... Yeah. You, you can't... You can't build habits without information and inspiration. Right. But you can certainly have information and inspiration without ha- building <laughs> habits. I, I, the other night uh, at, our, at our Bible study, Brad Bowers made the, made the observation. He, he coaches football at San Leandro High, as yeah. you know, and he just talked about how many of his, his players don't want to practice things they're uncomfortable doing. They just want to keep <laughs> doing the things they know how to do, yeah. but they don't want to develop new, new skills. And I think that's true for... That's analogous to many Christians, that we want to stay in our little box of confidence. Your rut. Yeah. And we get into our rut rather than saying, here's something the Bible tells me to do, and I don't do it very well. I'm going to start practicing doing it. So to give you a, a simple illustration of that, mm-hmm. some time ago, um, I, reading what Jesus said about uh, if you greet your brothers only, you're no different than, than the sinners. Right. You know, that's no big deal. You know, you're going to you're tr- you're love people the way God loves them and reach out to everybody. And I realized, yeah, that's me. I, I, <laughs> I do not reach out to people I don't yeah. know. I, I'll talk to people I don't know if they reach out to me. Right. But I, and I just realized I've got to be the one that makes the first move. I've got to be the host in every relationship. Right. And so I began making it a practice to, to be the first one to say hi and introduce myself every, every time I met a stranger. And it was incredibly awkward. Yeah. incredibly scary at the beginning. But now that I've been doing it for a year, it's it's become almost natural, almost second yep. nature for me. That's really good. Well, I think that's probably a good place to, to leave off because it, it prompts a lot of good questions just about, okay, what is God's process in changing? What is our cooperation in changing? What does God do? What does we do? People have a lot of questions around that. And then, and, and then this just maybe will delve more into this idea of embodiedness 
And, and really, I think that's often the step that gets bypassed, as we've said, in sanctification, that even if you're a new you on the inside, you're the, a new you with a mule of a body yeah. <laughs> that's got to be trained. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, be a great one to jump into next time. It's great. So, look forward to it. Thanks, Dad. Well, <laughs> I'll see you again from a safe distance away. And uh, yeah, thanks for all of you who tuned in. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear any feedback. We don't have a way you could do that right now other than emailing us. <laughs> and I would tell you to rate our podcast and all that stuff they do at the end, but uh, I don't know if we care about that. But uh, hey, if you do, great. Um, anyway, uh, thanks so much. And uh, until next time, blessings upon you. We'll talk to you soon.